Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Welcome back to a new episode of The Bad Broadcast. My name is Maddie. I'm your host, and I'm just tickled that you're joining me today because I'm so excited about today's episode. This has been on my list for probably over a year and everything lined up perfectly for it to happen this week. And I'm just, I'm so excited. Today we are doing a deep dive. Well, it's not really a deep dive, but I would say it's a, it's a substantial swim for sure through the history of reality TV. I've been watching Love Island lately and don't worry, I'm going to give you all my thoughts and feelings. Love Island season seven, by the way. Um, But I just, I keep thinking to myself, how did we get here? How did we get here to this point where this is the media we consume? I'm not, I'm not mad about it. And I'm not obviously judging anybody who does it because reality TV is my lifeblood. But I just, I've always been curious how these things came to be. So there's several like kind of landmarks throughout television history that helped reality TV get to where it is today. And we're just going to go through those kind of stepping stones, what shows were coming out, what years, what they were, and how they kind of affected what reality TV is today. And oh man, I'm, I'm excited. You guys are, you guys are about to have the most, I mean, I don't know if this knowledge is going to be useful. I'm going to be totally honest, but it is interesting. (laughs) Like, I can't, I can't guarantee that this is going to help you with like your job or getting a degree or anything, but boy, is it fun to learn about. And that's what we're here to do. So let's dive in. Let's, let's hop on into the pool of the history of reality TV. So reality TV, it's very first, I guess, just the very first reality show is what we could call it, is something called original amateur hour. Ted Mack was the host. So let me tell you what the original amateur hour was. First of all, it came out in 1934. That was the very first time that people were able to see just real people doing things. So let's talk about what the original amateur hour was. The format was almost always the same. At the beginning of the show, the talent's order of appearance was determined by spinning a wheel. After it was announced how many episodes the current one marked, the wheel was spun. This had over 16 hundred episodes. That's a lot of episodes. So as the wheel spun, the words round and round she goes and where she stops, nobody knows were always intoned. Various acts, sometimes singers or other musicians, quite often vaudeville. I don't know if I'm saying that word right, such as jugglers, tap dancers, baton twirlers, and the like would perform 
with the audience being asked to vote for their favorites by postcard or telephone. The telephone number was on a banner at the bottom of the screen for viewers to call. We still use that. Like this was in 1934. Like, do you guys remember watching American Idol like in the early 2000s? I don't know if they still do it, like where you can call in. I cannot believe how many times I called in for Diana DeGarmo. She was my favorite contestant on all of American Idol. And I was not well when she lost uh, or when she didn't win, I guess. I think she came in second. I'm not really sure. But isn't that interesting that they had that banner at the bottom of the screen that you could call in and vote? And still in 2020, um, or what? It is definitely not 2020. In 2022, almost a hundred years later, we are still doing this. So as the show gained markets outside of New York, Mac, who was the host, would give the address where viewers could send their postcards. He did this after every act. The winners were invited to appear on the next week's show. Three-time winners were eligible for the annual championship with the grand prize winner receiving $2,000. Think about that. I mean, that was probably so much money back then. But like if I watched a game show now and they were like, the winner gets $2,000, I'd be like, that is not worth it. So Ted Mack ensured that the show was very fast paced. Despite the program's title, it was generally only a half hour show. And they had one exception where they did an extended one. And the contestants sometimes became minor celebrities, but few ever really became big show business stars. But I will say one of the greatest successes of the original Amateur Hour was Gladys Knight. If you're from Utah, you probably know who Gladys Knight is. I don't know how famous she is, but she just like has performed in Salt Lake a bunch. So I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if she has like Mormon ties or what, but again, not sure if she's like an A-lister, but she did. This was her very first appearance on television. She was actually only a little kid. So that's kind of the world's first look into real people doing real things on TV that you could watch. Obviously, reality TV covers a whole bunch of different genres now because there's like game shows, we've got food competitions, we've got dating shows, we've got just people living in a house together doing nothing. Like that's kind of what Love Island is. I guess not really. Love Island does have a prize, but you know, there's just, there's all these different types of reality programs. And interesting to note that it basically started with the airing of a talent show is basically what the am the original amateur hour was. So that, like I said, was in 1934. In 1948, we get the gem of a show called Candid Camera. Do you guys remember this? Of course you do. So the show involved concealed cameras filming ordinary people being confronted with unusual situations, sometimes involving trick props, such as a desk with drawers that pop open when one is closed or a car with a hidden gas tank. When the joke was revealed, victims were told the show's catchphrase, smile, you're on candid camera. You guys know the, the jingle. So Alan Funt, which I have got to say, that might be the worst last name I've ever heard. Funt, F-U-N-T, poor guy. He brought this program to ABC television in 1948 using the candid microphone title of his radio series. So it used to be a radio series. I didn't know that. But then he switched it to NBC in the fall of 1949, at which point its name was changed to Candid Camera. The format moved to syndication in 1951 and continued for three years before returning to NBC. It became a segment on The Tonight Show with Jack Parr, and the segment reappeared in 1959 on CBS as a feature of The Gary Moore Show before once again becoming a standalone show in 1960. Candid Camera feels like the grandmother of all prank shows. I personally hate pranks. I, I, I think that they are the worst, the worst. I don't like them. 
I don't want to do them to people. I don't want to watch people being pranked. Things like ridiculousness. And I guess, I don't know if ridiculousness is under there. I don't know, but punked. I hate punked. Impractical jokers. Any of those like hidden camera. I don't even like it. Like when Ellen does it, like the secret microphone and she like has celebrities. Like I just don't like watching people feel uncomfortable. It's not exciting to me, but candid camera. Yes. 1948. Crazy. I would have guessed that came out in like the nineties, but again, the kind of the foundation for all of these reality prank shows that people love now. So in 1973, we get a show called An American Family. And this is like the first kind of drama reality show. So An American Family is a television documentary style reality show. It came out in 1970 or it was filmed in 1971, but it came out in 1973. And it's basically, I think a lot of people would consider this the first reality series, even though there was reality, quote unquote, reality television before this. There was real people being filmed before. This was kind of the first one where people knew that the cameras were in their house filming their day-to-day life. It was originally intended as a chronicle of the daily life of the Louds, an upper middle-class family in Santa Barbara, but it ended up documenting this family breakup when their parents divorced and all of these things. So it became kind of the first like family reality drama, which as we know, is obviously still happening. I mean, the biggest reality TV show in the world is about a family keeping up with the Kardashians. I mean, that's the, this is the first one of its kind. So I thought this was really interesting because in 1988, there was a television writer's strike and it's because they wanted more creative freedom and more pay. And with this strike, we got things like cops. Cops is still around. I think it's one of the most, I don't know if it's the, the longest running reality show, I don't know. But then we get these types of dramas, these cameras on cops. And uh, again, you can still watch it. It's still still going on. But this happened in 1989. So the thought behind this during the writer strike was, well, if we need or if we can film this, you know, if we can do cops, we don't even need writers. We don't need them. So it was kind of a last ditch effort to keep TV shows going. Turns out people really liked it. Still do. I still sometimes catch myself watching cops. I'm not proud of it. But it premiered on the Fox network on March 11th, 1989. The series followed city police officers and sheriff's deputies, sometimes backed up by state police or other agencies during patrol, calls for service, and other police activities, including arresting people, narcotic stings, charging prostitutes, and also search and arrest warrants at criminal residences. Some episodes also featured federal agencies. The show assigned television camera crews to accompany them as they performed their duties. Its formula followed this, I hope I say this right, cinema verite, that's how I'd say that, convention, which does not consist of any narration, any scripted dialogue, or incidental music or added sound effects, which means it is entirely dependent on the commentary of the officers and the actions of the people with whom they come into contact. Giving the audience a fly-on-the-wall point of view, each episode typically consisted of three self-contained segments, which often ended with one or more arrests. I don't know if it's that raw anymore. I mean, it's it's hard for me to believe that any reality TV is completely unscripted, unprompted, any of that, because obviously people found out that if you manipulate situations, you can make them even crazier than they would be on their own, which means more people are going to watch, which means the show's going to make more money. Kind of sad when you grow up and you realize that basically everything everyone is doing is just for money. That's really the only reason that people do anything. So that's a bummer, but it is what it is. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Green Chef. 
Green Chef makes cooking easy so you can spend less time stressing and more time enjoying delicious home-cooked meals. Their pre-made and pre-measured sauces, dressings, and spices get you more chef-curated flavor in less time. You can also avoid long lines at the grocery store or interacting with anybody. That's what I'm trying to avoid. Green Chef is so convenient with pre-portioned, easy-to-follow recipes that are delivered right to your door. You can also enjoy your greens while being green. Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit, offsetting 100% of the plastic in every box and 100% of their carbon emissions and their carbon footprint. With Green Chef, you get organic ingredients and sustainably sourced produce, so you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. Green Chef's options for every lifestyle include keto and paleo, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, and even gluten-free. So go to greenchef.com slash bad130 and use the code bad130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. Again, that's greenchef.com slash bad130 and use the code bad130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. It is delicious, it is healthy, and it is the number one meal kit for eating well. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Starface. You know those cute star-shaped pimple patches that Hailey Bieber always has on? That's Starface. That's their best-selling HydroStars, a 100% hydrocolloid pimple patch that helps reduce inflammation, absorb fluid, and shrink spots overnight. I could never swear by a product more than these pimple patches. They are lifesavers. I sometimes look forward to having a little, having a little zit that I can take care of because I think they're so cute. I love that Starface also has a full range of Hydrostar pimple patches for whatever mood I'm in, including their newest variation, Hydrostar Plus Salicylic Acid, which helps treat deeper pimples and acne. Salicylic acid is a great ingredient if you're more acne prone. Pimple patches aside, Starface also has formulated an approachable line of skincare essentials, so you can really build out a full routine. Everything is dermatologist tested, vegan, cruelty-free, and designed to make you feel cute wherever you go. I love the Space Wash, which is a gentle, lightly foaming cleanser. I love their Outer Space, which is their body wash, and it's good for acne-prone skin again, and it also helps hydrate and exfoliate. They also have a super hydrating cream called Moisture on Mars that locks in moisture day and night. Can you even get over how cute the branding and the names? Oh my gosh, I love it so much. So you can shop the entire Starface collection at starface.world. And for a limited time, Starface is offering all Bad Broadcast listeners 15% off your first order at checkout with the code BAD15. Again, that's code BAD15 for 15% off your first order at starface.world. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Reality with the King. We've been watching reality TV for years, almost 100. Remember, we just went over this. But I've always wondered what goes on behind the scenes. And now I know because I listened to the amazing new podcast called Reality with the King. It's hosted by sought-after executive producer and king of reality television, Carlos King. Reality with the King goes beyond the scenes of some of your favorite reality shows, most iconic moments. Carlos has worked on all of the best reality shows from The Bachelor to Housewives, and he's just here to rehash it all for us. He's given us all the behind the scenes drama. In each episode, Carlos and his guests rehash shocking betrayals, hilarious interactions, and dramatic scenes from the Real Housewives franchise, 
from Love and Marriage, from The Bachelor, and much more. If you like reality TV, which I'm assuming you do because you just clicked on an episode with that title, you are going to love this drama. You're going to love it. You're going to love the drama. Some of the upcoming guests are people like Rachel Lindsay, Matt James, Andy Cohen, Daddy Andy, yes, please, Lisa Renna. And do you want to know about ANTM and Tyra? He's got you covered. You want to know why people are leaving Housewives franchises? He knows. We're getting all of the behind the scenes info straight from the stars themselves. So listen to Carlos spill the tea on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, the SXM app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. So like I said, Cops aired in 1989. And right after that, we get, for, for me anyway, I don't, I don't know if, I think you guys will probably agree with this. We get the biggest turning point for modern day reality TV. And that is in 1992 when we get the real world. The real world, I was never allowed to watch it as a kid. Honestly, great move, parents, because I would not let my children watch it <laughs> if it was available today. Plus we were watching, I mean, it was on MTV and I mean, I was watching MTV in like seventh grade, which means I was 12. I, I should not have been watching that. So the real world was inspired by the 1973 PBS documentary series, An American Family. See, we're all connected. It focuses on the lives of a group of strangers who auditioned to live together in a house for several months as cameras record their interpersonal relationships. The show moves to a different city each season, and the footage shot during the housemates' time together was edited into 22-minute episodes for the first 19 seasons, and then 44-minute episodes beginning with the real-world Hollywood, which was the 20th season, before they shortened it to 30-minute episodes for its 33rd season. So many seasons. So many seasons of the real world. I, I mean, I think it's still going. I'm not totally sure on that. The narration given over the opening title sequence used during the first 28 seasons by the seven housemates states some variation of the following. This is the true story of seven strangers picked to live in a house, work together, have their lives taped to see what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. The real world. So the real world originally inspired by the popularity of youth oriented shows of the 1990s like Beverly Hills, 90210 and Melrose Place. Honestly, I feel like Every popular reality TV show now can be connected to the real world. Love Island, The Bachelor, The Hills, all of those I feel like came from the real world. They would not be what they were unless we had the real world. So the creators initially considered developing a scripted series in a similar vein, but quickly decided that the cost of paying writers, actors, costume designers, and makeup artists was too high. That's the thing with reality TV. It's cheap. It, it's it's crazy how little people will get paid to just act completely idiotic on TV. I'm not saying that everybody who is on reality TV is an idiot, but I'm just saying they're usually more willing to do things for a lower price than like a professional actor who has a script written for them. So they were saving tons of money and honestly probably making a ton of money because we are humans that like watching other humans do embarrassing things. So 
at the last minute, they pulled this concept and the cast, they had casted people for a scripted series. They pulled it and it became a reality show. I feel like in early reality TV, people could separate themselves from being on reality, reality TV and then get into like a real acting job. Um, it says here, Tracy, who was one of the original seven who was picked for the very first season, went on to like voice cartoons. She was in like Beavis and Butthead, all those things. That doesn't happen so much now. Reality TV stars now don't really break into other industries. I don't want to say that they don't do anything else because they all do something else, but they're always kind of deemed reality stars. I feel like you're usually pretty, pretty pigeonholed when you become a reality star. So after the real world, we got things like America's Funniest Home Videos, which is technically reality TV. I know we don't really think of it that way, but it is real. It's just documented things that people were really doing in their life. And then in the 2000s, the boom of reality TV comes and we get things like Survivor, Big Brother, and The Bachelor. And with that, with The Bachelor, with The Bachelor chat, I actually have somebody to talk to you guys about The Bachelor, who is way more qualified than I am. I got to chat with Jason Tardick, who is my fellow Dear Media podcaster. He's a former Bachelorette contestant and is, of course, dating Caitlin Bristow, who is an absolute like staple in Bachelor Nation. Jason was on Becca's season and he has a new book coming out. So he wanted to come on the podcast, tell you guys about it. But we also talk a lot about some behind the scenes things from his season and just reality TV in general. And I got to say, I, I got to say something before you guys start this. I think you're really going to like him. And it's the first guy that I've ever had on the podcast that's not my husband or my brother. And I was like, okay, I'm not, you know, I wasn't really sure how this is going to go because he's like, I mean, he's for sure the most famous person I've had on the podcast, but guys, he was insanely charming. He was kind, happy. He was early to our Zoom call. Like he just was, he beat me to our Zoom call. I love that he was so punctual. He wasn't trying to like be too cool for anything. He was super fun to talk to. I I just, I think you guys are really going to like it, really going to like him. Stick around for after the interview though, because I'm going to talk about the reality TV that I've been loving lately. And yes, that of course includes Love Island. So let's hear from Jason. Let's hear a little chat. Sorry about the audio. It's over Zoom. I, I'm so sorry. I need to get a better microphone for when I do them. Um, but I hope you guys enjoy this little interview with Jason and I'll see you after. How's it going? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Doing well. I'm doing well. Good. So we're just, I, I mean, I just hit record just at the very beginning. So we can honestly just, just dive in, but thanks for coming on. Oh my God. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So for those who don't know, which I can't imagine that anybody doesn't, but you are a fellow Dear Media podcaster with, with me. Yes, I am. So I joined the Dear Media uh, team when was it? It was almost a year ago. I can't believe it was about. Oh, that's more. actually that's that's exactly when I came on. I think we because I came on twenty twenty one. Yeah, that was when. Yeah, May. I think is that when you came on? That's when I came on. Yeah. Then, does your does your episodes come out on Monday? My episodes come out on Monday. Okay, mine too. So we're because I always see the Dear Media thing. So I always check out who's coming out on that day. We're in together. Both yes. subscribe and listen. I'm going to subscribe right after we. Uh, yes, subscribe, <laughs> rate, review. Push reviews. I had to. I had to stop myself from reading reviews. I'm like, I'm not going to read these anymore. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so so this is the bad broadcast, and we talk. We talk a lot about. We do a lot of different stuff, 
but we talk a lot about reality TV, which you obviously have experience in. So I would love to just, I, I sent you some questions. I don't know if you had a chance to look over them, but just kind of your experience and yeah, any, any like behind the scenes things that you wish people knew about reality TV. But my first question is how did you go from, cause you were working in banking, correct? Yes. Yep. Yep. So how did you go from that to applying for the bachelorette? Yeah. So that is something that people don't really think about, right? Like all these people uh, come together, 31 of them, and they put their entire lives on hold. And it's interesting because you'll see the titles of these people. And it's everything from like software engineer to former NFL player to, you know, bartender. It's all over the map. Uh, One of the things that I had to do is write this like two page memo. And some people watch the show to actually like study how to strategically be on the show, right? I watched the show like a little analytical freak counting how many roses would be given out every week. Really? But I would do, the reason I was doing that is so I could work with my employer to say the percentages of the likelihood of when I would be back because I so badly wanted approval to go. And so what you I just, are probably the only person who's ever done that. Only. But if you yeah. ever think about reality TV and how do you get out of a professional job, what does that process look like? What is it like to go back to the job? And what happens when the personal world meets the professional world and there's a big, big old breakup? That is all in my book, The Restart Roadmap. So it's because it's very relevant to people that watch reality TV. And it's something we don't talk enough about. And so that's actually in my my second chapter of the book, the full memo. Well, and it's interesting because then you you went back to banking, right? Yeah. So I went, I went, and it was funny because I, I don't know, I thought I might go home like week one or week two. All of a sudden here I am and it's three months into this and my boss has got to be like, what the (laughs) hell? But no phone, no TV, no internet, no nothing. So there's no way for me to communicate. So you don't, you don't touch a phone at all? You don't touch a phone. You don't, unless there's like some reason, like sometimes you'll see someone like FaceTiming a family member or uh, FaceTiming their kid or something like that. If that's, case, there's recording behind it. And there's, there's a, there's a part of it. But other than that, no sports, no music, no TV, nothing. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. That is crazy. I just, I don't know why I always assumed that you have your phone back at the mansion, you know, like in your bag and you go, you can go check it after the ceremony, but you guys are really completely disconnected. Nope. Yep. And even one step further, once you start traveling and you're outside the mansion, so you're outside of the TV set in the rooms, the rooms are all like pre-designed, even though it's like a holiday in, like the, the phones are yanked out. The internet's yanked no. out. Yeah. <laughs> no way. No so, way. That is insane. Yeah, so I had no way to even like contact my boss. And I went back literally the weekend after I got back three months later. And I had in my book, I talk a lot about like the money behind my career and then also like the good, the bad money, and then also some of the big conflicts. And so one of the big things when I got back was, okay, what are we going to do? Because you only had 29 days of vacation built up over 10 years of working there. Uh, so I had to pretty much like go on this like paid, or paid non-paid time off. And then <laughs> back as employee, it was like an HR uh, logistical nightmare when I came back. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever, I mean, was there ever a point like or when you were younger that you thought that reality TV was like in your future? Like, was there ever a point? No, no, I was like (laughs) reality TV guy. Uh, And 
I was the guy that was like, I was by the book. I was by the blueprint, like, you know, get to work early, stay late, exceed expectations. When they tell you to move, move. And my largest move was from New York to Seattle. I went 3000 miles. So I was never, ever, ever the guy that would, what I referred to as like, break the blueprint, break the mold of like what the path to success was. And so interesting is like, I even look back at my high school yearbook, like there's like the, the people like most likely to be on reality TV. And I see those people and I'm like, oh my God, they would have been perfect for reality. Yeah. That, <laughs> You're that. like, you have a show picked for them in your yeah, mind. Like, oh, they would have been way more entertaining than my ass. But we had, uh, that's kind of also it, it, a lot of that story of like my 10 years of just focusing on this like blueprint line of success and losing sight of everything else really took a toll on me. And mm. the, like when I, so with the book, The Restart Roadmap, the idea is that I finally broke the blueprint. I finally did something for one of the first times ever in my life and certainly in my professional career that my parents didn't approve of, that my friends didn't suggest I do, that my boss didn't approve of. And that was taking the most unconventional, illogical direction going on a reality television show. And back to your question, something that was never, ever, ever (laughs) <laughs> no, I, so I, after I had been doing the podcast for a year, I, I sat down and I thought about all the things I had learned from doing it for a year. And yeah. one of them, exactly like you're saying was making decisions alone. Even if that meant like separating myself physically from being around people and thinking about what decision I wanted to do and then being okay if nobody else approved of it, but it's really hard. Yes. Like the efficiency of being just vulnerable with yourself will have such an impact, I think, on your personal life and your professional life. One exercise that I did that was extremely eye-opening that I talk about in the book is I sat down with no technology in a pad of paper and I wrote down what I thought about my career and my future within my industry and my future within my career, right? And I wrote everything down. And then what I did was I put that away I then went to like four people that I consider know me extremely well. I went to my mom, my dad, I went to a couple of best friends and I went to my girlfriend at the time, mm-hmm. obviously ex now. And I asked them, what do you think about my career? What do you think about my outlook? What do you think about my future? And what was wild was how terribly, terribly different the perception was. They were using words like confident, successful, go-getter, great future, making money, uh, couldn't be happier. I'm using words like loss, fearful, anxious in, in meetings, don't know what's next, not satisfied. And so it was amazing to see the perception I was giving off versus the realness I was feeling. Totally. And two worlds connect. I think there's going to be gaps in your life and connecting those two is going to be like extremely helpful to anyone. Yeah. And that's really scary. It's really scary to like sit down with the people who know you best and say, can you give me some honest feedback? Like that's a really scary thing to do. (laughs) It's so scary, but like there, you know, you even mentioned it like, Oh, sometimes the comments and podcasts, comments and podcasting and stuff, you really have to, it's like, you're taking a filter. It's like you're draining spaghetti. You got to get rid of all the shit. Cause there's a lot of people that just feel so much pain. They're trying to put it on you. But the thing is about with like your family and your friends, like if you tell them to break that wall down and give them honesty, that becomes like really constructive criticism. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So this is, this is kind of jumping back to, to your time on the bachelorette. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's something that you wish people either knew about the process or about the people or about 
like, I, I think now a days, like in now in reality TV, a lot of people can be like, okay, we know that people get bad edits. We know that that happens. Like, whereas 10 years ago, it was like, nobody really thought about that. But yeah. with the, w- along with that, what's something that you wish people kept in mind when they were watching reality TV or watching new seasons of the bachelor bachelorette? Like what's something that you think about that you wouldn't know unless you had had that time on the show? This question is so relevant to this season of The Bachelor. Did you see it by chance, uh, Clayton season or no? Clayton season. Well, I didn't. Yeah. Well, I know what's going on. I just watched the last two episodes. Okay, got it. Well, for anyone that did watch it, this is an extremely relevant question. So, and it's pretty much relevant to every season. But what I'll say, and I'm going to contradict myself, but I do think the points are really important. Point one is I'll never forget when a producer, I was so worried, especially as a banker, I don't want to be the bad guy. What do I do? Yeah. I'll never forget what the producer said to me. And it's so real, not just in reality television and like every scope of media when you're watching the big two. If you're an asshole, it's really, really easy for us to make you look like a big asshole. And if you're a person and you're genuine, you're authentic, it's really easy for us to make you really genuine and authentic. What becomes extremely challenging for an editing staff and a producing group is making an asshole look extremely nice and making an extremely nice person look like an extreme asshole. And the idea behind that is we have to put on a show. This is our job, right? This is what we, and we only have so much time. We're going to do what's easiest, right? So we're not out to get you, but how you act, is how you will be perceived. And they was told to me, and then I watched that season back, and now I've watched a ton of seasons back, and I agree with everything they said. Based on what I know behind the scenes and what's shown, 100%. Now, I'm going to contradict myself, but I think it's a point to think about, is that there's always more happening than what we do see on television. So, of course, this contradicts myself, but I do think if you start to judge or criticize or even to some extreme, some people send very messed up comments, death threats, mm-hmm. things like that. Before you jump to these conclusions, maybe put a little bit more thought into what's happening behind the scenes. For example, with Clayton's season, we know that Clayton messed up. We know that you know within his fantasy suite situation, which you'll see, highly entertaining, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> But take one step further and say, okay, yes, he didn't handle himself well, but he also walked into a dark alley with not many outs. Like they knew exactly what order these girls were going to go in. They knew that the girl that was more conservative, Susie, would be third and she would have to watch all the girls come back. You know, think a little bit more through it and, and put yourself in those situations and know that a lot more happens than what you see. And Totally. That- for every show that's not just reality television every single one what's your what's your go-to watch right now your go-to I, reality tv do you, do you guys watch a lot of reality tv I, i'll be honest i don't well, i do watch bachelor i do watch the bachelor i weirdly enough don't watch paradise not that into it my my favorite reality television show other than the bachelor franchise is without a doubt big brother and uh that's a that's from reality tennis television standpoint, it's pretty much it, but I'm big into like, I love any like thriller or like, like Ozark I'm obsessed with. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So, so your, your season of the bachelorette, I feel like it's a pretty iconic cast. Like, I feel like you had some, some like big, 
bit like heavy hitters in that cast. You're Jordan, right? Jordan, Colton, Blake. Obviously, Becca was the. Say that again. Grocery store Joe was on there. Gro- grocery store Joe. Play Harvard. Who, besides Caitlin, of course, who is your who's your favorite person that you've met in all of Bachelor, whether it's on your season or just through meeting people through other seasons? Do you have a like a, a close group of friends that's from the Bachelorette, or how does that work with your like real social life? Why don't we do some? We'll do some like awards I'll give away. Yes. Me, yes. Okay. Um, most most surprised by will be Nick Vial. You know, from coming off the screen, I didn't think I would really like Nick, especially, you know, given his history with Caitlin. I really, really, really like Nick. And you know what? I think a lot of people feel that way. I think a lot of people were like, I don't like Nick. And now every time I see him, I'm like, I really like his podcast. I like his content. I think he's uh, really smart, super charming, really respectful. You know, all these things. I'm like, wow, I, I did not expect him to still be kind of in the public eye based on how the seasons went. Yeah. He gets my most surprised. I would yeah. go great. I would go most. And my MVP is definitely uh, Blake Horseman through thick and thin. The guy's always been there for me. Just a great guy. Most unique guy that I just adore is grocery store Joe. I mean, grocery yeah. store, there aren't two grocery store Joes out there. <laughs> um, I would say like the fun, the funniest couple, I'm going to say it's not a, it's not anyone you'd expect. It's Matt and Tyler. They are great. They are unbelievable. Uh, sexy, sexiest guy in person for sure. Without a doubt. Tyler James, best street smarts of almost any human I've ever met. I mean, unbelievable street smarts, Colton under. Uh, so we can really, keep, oh yeah. So we can keep, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I love that. And do you, do you interact a lot with people from the franchise? Like, do you find that you're, you're overlapping a lot in, you know, podcasting or things like that? I think, he, you know what? I, I want to be like, no, not really. But yeah, I mean, like yeah. we have a fantasy football group. There's a, there, you know, it's called the fantasy suites. There's like, 50, <laughs> you know, with a lot of them. So as a, as a, you know, as a means of that, I cross over, uh, you know, her being on the show again, of course, you know, I would go back to see all production. So yes, yeah. you know, what are, are we, our, our webs for sure, for sure. Tangle. I would say though, it's more with like the OG group than like the new groups that are coming up. Newer groups. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I assume that it's, I mean, you have this shared experience that is, I mean, I've, I've had friends who have done like Shark Tank and, and other things like that. And they're like, there's a certain level of trauma that comes from, you know, filming a reality TV show. And then you sit down and you have no idea what it's going to look like. And you panic for months on end until it premieres. And then you're watching yourself. And so I assume having those shared experiences with those people, it probably makes you like bonded for life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It makes you bonded. Yeah. It makes you empathetic for what they go through. It then also creates this weird dichotomy where it makes you a little judgmental because you're like, oh, I've been there. What the hell are you doing? And then it creates like this moment where I can't even tell you like the underground of DMs and text messages that happen between bachelor nation. So someone says something publicly, right? Like mm-hmm. say I'm chirping someone or Caitlin's chirping someone or Nick's chirping someone. The amount of like underground discussions that'll happen, like face to face, call to call, like let's talk this through. It's like, you could write a whole book on that. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting. Um, so how do you feel like, so with your, with your career in finance and now your podcast, that is, it's called trading secrets for anyone who doesn't know. And it's, it's, um, yeah, it's all about, I mean, you interview people in the professional realm, right. And how they kind of got to where they are. It's literally about, there's one topic. It's about yeah. money. So we yeah. talk about, like, <laughs> 
So there are some podcasts that talk about sex, like our sex is money. So I have people from all different industries, reality stars, musicians, actors, actresses, uh, everyday working professionals, sharks from Shark Tank we've had on, just A-Rod on, which is freaking awesome. Amazing. As we talk about their career track, where they made money, where they lost money, and exactly the dollars. Because my theory behind the whole podcast with Trading Secrets is that if we talk more about money, which has always been instilled on us that we're, it's like against etiquette or politically incorrect. We now have more information and we can mm-hmm. use information to do things like negotiate for ourselves and work in different industries and take leaps of faith without fear. And in my book, one of the chapters is all about the art of negotiating, getting you paid only 37% of people in their entire career. We're not talking quarterly, biannually, annually, their entire career negotiate for themselves. And so this podcast is helping with that. And, and all the, all the things I'm doing kind of have the same theme about money and career management. The book is very career and money management focused too. So yeah. How do you feel like your background in finance, your time on reality TV, and now what you're doing, how do you feel, what do you feel like are some skills that you got from reality TV that are helping you now or skills that you had in your former career that helped you with reality TV? Ooh, that's such a good question. So it's interesting that the inner workings of corporate America and the bureaucracy of networking associated with that was very similar to what was needed in mm. reality right? mm-hmm. Producers weren't producers to me. The pretty, and I talk about this all in the book and the relationships. Producers were bosses to me, right? Do I do everything they say? No, but do I do I make sure that I'm taking care of the people mm. that have a big impact on subjectively where my life could go? You're damn right I do. One of the big about reality television that taught me, again, this is fun stuff I talk in the book about is like the whole idea of like this marketing and creative. And the big thing is positioning. I mean, the things I've got to see behind the curtain of the best in the world positioning themselves for maybe even that three second line when they're live on air or what they look like on the red carpet or how they got into a certain award or show or movie or built their show or built their merch. It is mind blowing the work and creativity and the strategy that goes into positioning marketing and branding. These are things that I thought I knew about. I wasn't even scratching the surface. And the cool thing about this book that relates back to your question is all these things behind the scenes come down to one theme. If I knew then what I know now. And Mm -hmm. so things I got to see in the bureaucratic corporate world and the wild, unconventional, unscripted world are things I had never seen before, but they are tips and tricks that like anyone can apply. If you're an accountant, if you're a teacher, if you're a nurse to your everyday life to put yourself in a better position. Totally. And I mean, and I feel like that goes hand in hand also with the podcast because you're talking to people from so many different backgrounds. It's like, yeah. it's amazing what skills will cross over and you know, the, the similarities between careers. Okay. So before I I want you to tell everybody where you can get your book and when it's coming out. But first I want to ask you, what is one reality show or game show that you either think you would just absolutely crush or (laughs) it's just your dream to go on it? Okay. So my like dream, dream, dream to go on big brother. So you're on there. Hundred days. It's all game theory, strategy, and physical competition. So if I could ever be on that show, I would like dream to one show that like if I, I like it will never happen because I'm not talented. Like I just don't have this talent. But like <laughs> the idea of being 
like someone just from like an everyday neighborhood and having the skill set to sing and play music and like win an American Idol or like The Voice, like maybe in another lifetime, that would be the coolest thing ever. A show I want nothing to do with ever again. I was on a family feud. It is the hardest show out there. Really? Really? Oh, it's like the pressure. There's the audience pressure, the, like the Steve Harvey pressure. We played the Victoria's Secret models. There's some instilled pressure there. And like <laughs> the other thing was, is my dumbass. I thought it would be cool to be like, I'm the first one that's going to run out. Right. So I'm on stage. I'm the first one of the yeah. bachelor. The problem is when you're the first one out, you're also the last one to guess. So the first one goes at the end. So all the good guesses are, are already gone. <laughs> yeah, I, that's true. <laughs> was what is one thing that shaped like Steve Harvey's head? Everything, you name it, had been answered. Like you think about 10 things right now have been answered. I had nothing. And I literally like totally like lost my train of thought and said, yeah. bone in ham. And he was like, a what? He goes, man, you had to add the bone. Yeah. Like he totally embarrassed me. I never that is so funny because I feel like I feel like people's go to whenever I ask people that in the past. Or my answer has honestly been Family Feud. I'm like, I would go on that. I would do so well. I'm out. But you're you're out. You're out for those reasons. You're out. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so funny. Okay, well, tell everybody. So um, this episode comes out on April 4th. I believe your book is released April 6th. Is that right? April 5th. So, to, so tomorrow, yeah, okay. we'll listen to this. Tomorrow. So when you're hearing this, it will be out tomorrow. And I'm assuming people can get it. Can they get it on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble? Where where all is it at? Amazing. So so technically pre-sale is, uh, is, to, is today, right? I'll give okay. you a little thing too. They gave me like this seven days. It's only good for seven days. It's okay. a seven-day uh, code that oh, perfect. pre-sale it, you can use and this it. And this will go live when the episode goes live? Yeah, this will go oh, live. Perfect. Okay. Live. Great. So the code is going to be a restart roadmap in Amazon. You'll get five bucks off. But if that's something you, you know, if that's not your thing, you can get this book in Barnes and Noble, Target, wherever. Uh, mm-hmm. And it is just, you just type in the restart roadmap on Google and you'll be able to grab a copy there. Do you have an, do you have an audio, do you have plans to do an audio book or will I it ever be an audio book? Yep. Oh, perfect. So, so can I, people get it on Audible? Uh, yes, they can. They can get it on Audible. What was that process like? Just out of curiosity, what was it like to to record an audiobook? Oh, it's brutal. Here's why for anyone listening. Yeah. What you have to do is I'm gonna take this book real quick. You're in a room and it was three hour session. It was three six hour sessions. Okay. And so you'll wow. open the book, whatever the book is. So if you just look at this, I'm gonna read a thing. I don't know what happened to me today. I began, and then someone in your ear will say, no, no, no. We need you to pause at today and say, I began with a little more pace, right? So I don't know what happened to me today. I began and then I just kept going. So it's not reading. It's like you're reading a script for like a television show. So it takes forever. And it's like, go back. No pause there. You said that word wrong. Exclamation point. And that's six hours for three days in a row. So it was a lot. Was well, a lot. I, I, I have a newfound appreciation for audiobooks now, knowing that that is a grueling process. And if the author is doing the audiobook, my new thing is like, good job. You deserve yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Even their book sucks. Great job. That was good work. Yeah. I appreciate that the effort that went in. Well, Jason, thank you so much for coming on. I know that everybody is going to absolutely, you know, love your book, love what you have to say. And uh, so, so you're obviously on Instagram at Jason Tardick and every Monday for Trading Secrets. Yep. And book comes out April 5th. Yes. Yes. And thank you so Perfect. much. This is a lot of fun. Uh, 
Of course. Of course. Have a good rest of your day and I'll uh, talk to you soon. You too. Take care. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Visible. Single people are always spending money on their married friends. What's up with that? Why do you get to get a bunch of gifts when you get married? You get wedding gifts, bachelor parties, baby showers, engagement gifts. Single people are really out here doing the most and spending the most. And that's why Visible, which is a wireless service built for singles, has teamed up with Match Group, the people behind Tinder, Match, OkCupid, Plenty of Fish, and other dating apps to create a gift registry just for singles. Yes, please. Now married people can buy the gifts for singles for a change. You know what? I'm married and I'm still excited about this. I can't wait to gift people off their registry. The gifts are also tailored specifically for one person, like a one-person kayak or a wine glass that fits an entire bottle, you know, something casual like that. Also, the first 1,000 people to build their registry get a free gift. You do not want to miss out on this. The Visible Singles Registry finishes April 25th. But Visible has single people covered always, whether it's with sweet gifts from your registry or it's with single line wireless as low as $25 a month. So go to visiblesinglesregistry.com to build your own. Again, that is visible, V-I-S-I-B-L-E, singlesregistry.com to build your own. You can also send it to me. Maybe I'll maybe I'll gift you something. I don't know. Maybe I'm feeling a little bit wild. Again, that is visiblesinglesregistry.com. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is supported by BetterHelp Online Therapy. People don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches and teeth grinding and even digestive issues, oh no, that's me, can be indicators of stress. And let's not forget about doom scrolling, check, sleeping too little, check some nights, sleeping too much, check the other nights, undereating and overeating. I'm feeling very called out by all of those things. Stress shows up in all kinds of ways and in a world that's telling you to do more, sleep less and grind all the time. Here's your reminder to take care of yourself, do less, and maybe try some therapy. I am in therapy every Monday morning. That is not a joke. First thing I do every single week is I talk to my therapist, and it just gets everything started off on the right foot. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. So you can give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. Let's get you sleeping right. Let's get you eating better. Let's get you feeling good. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and the Bad Broadcast listeners get 10% off of their first month at betterhelp.com slash bad. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash bad. Give it a try. Take care of yourself. Be safer, be kinder, be hotter, and be happier. Hello, it's me again. Thank you so much to Jason for coming on and sharing with us all his little inside scoops. And again, really sorry about the audio. Listen, I promise I'm going to figure out how to do Zoom calls or Zoom interviews that don't sound uh, like that. But today was not the day. Listen, I'm stupid and I sometimes can't figure things out. Okay. Give me a break. So we're going to end today with a little segment about the reality show I've been watching. And that is Love Island. 
I want to know. I want to know why absolutely none of you, not one of you, told me that this season had 50 episodes. Five zero. 50 episodes. I started season seven. I haven't watched any of Love Island. I've been told a million times you have to watch the UK version. And then I did a poll on my Instagram for which one I should watch. And everybody was saying season seven. So now I'm in, uh, I'm on episode seven of season seven. And I'm like, okay, I probably have like a handle on this. I'm, I'm going to do, you know, a little review on the podcast. I probably am like what halfway through the season. No. Okay. I should, I should correct myself. There's 49 episodes, 49 episodes. What is this madness? Okay. Anyway, so let me tell you some of my initial thoughts on some of the some of the main players of this season, at least that I've met so far, there's probably other people that come in in like episode 39. So first up, the pants. The pants that exist on Love Island are so tight. They are so tight, it almost feels like a crime that these men are walking around in that tight of pants. It doesn't seem like it would be good for them like medically. It doesn't seem like that would be a good move. Also, the titties are out on every girl and I'm living for it. They all wear these bikinis that are basically just an underwire and like one band-aid. And I, I mean, it's great. Let it, let them, let them breathe is what I say. Uh, but I knew we would be in for a good time when that was the demographic we were working with. The first episode, I didn't like the like trading and choosing and choose, you know, the men come up and they choose from a group of girls who they want to date. I didn't really like the setup, but I guess it does switch back and forth kind of like bachelor in paradise, by the way, this is how Bachelor in Paradise should be, like Love Island. There should be a cash prize. There should be activities. Like, there used to be so much of that on Bachelor in Paradise, and now it's literally just Bachelor. It's just dates and rose ceremonies. There's nothing cool about it. And I feel fine saying that. I know Jason was just on my episode, but he said he doesn't even watch Paradise, so I feel fine about that. Um, so with Kaz, I wrote down some of the the character, not characters, people in this season and just kind of what I thought about them. Kaz, the only note I took was I put vibes. I'm not really sure why I did that or what, what I was, what I was going for, but she doesn't bug me, which means she's a vibe, I guess. Brad. Okay. Let's talk about Brad because I don't know who I, I, you know, jive with worse, Brad or Jake. Both of them are really, really not my flavor. But Brad, I just, I somehow know we would never have a good conversation, which is disappointing because he is extremely hot. And I'm pretty sure he's Scottish or Irish. He might just be British. I don't know. But I love that that one girl called him out and she was like, you just like kind of seem like a dick. (laughs) I loved it so much. Uh, Rachel is, I'm at the part in the season where Rachel just came in. And so she's deciding between Brad and Chugs. Gotta say. Chugs is one of the worst nicknames I've ever heard. Like, I know that, like, there could have just been a different one. Even, I have a friend from high school named Chubbs. That one's fine. Or there's a guy on Great British Bake Off named Chigs. You could also do that. Chugs feels like the worst option. Also, watching Love Island, it's crazy because all of these people are, I mean, we can say it. They're kind of extremely trashy, but they're British. So they're automatically fancier than I will ever be. Like they're in this house and they're like all drunk and feeling each other up and just being like debaucherous. But then they speak and you're like, are you a butler? Like when I think it's Rachel, she's talking to Chugs and she's like, literally every street is cobbled in Canterbury. And you're like, 
Wait, are you the queen? You seem like you might be the queen. I can't, I can't stop doing the British accent. I can't stop saying mate. Mate, where are you going? I can't stop saying, um, bruv. I can't stop. What's the other one? Babes. Babes. I can't stop saying it. I think I'm pretty good at it. Nobody corrects me if I'm not. I, my ego can't take it, but I can't stop. Okay, let's go on to Liberty. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. I really like her. She seems completely insane and like a really good friend. What is better? I bet she, you know what? I bet she's a Virgo. Everybody's, everybody has a best friend who's just slightly unhinged who's a Virgo. And I don't mean unhinged in a bad way. I mean unhinged in a fun way. Kylie, if you're listening, you are my unhinged Virgo best friend. I'm going to see. I'm going to see if she's a Virgo. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to look. Oh my, I am right. I am correct. Liberty is literally a Virgo. She was born on September 2nd. I've never done that. I've never correctly predicted somebody's astrological sign. I swear on everything. I didn't look it up. I didn't cheat. Nothing. I didn't do anything of the sort. I promise on everything. I looked that up just now. Wow. Okay. So there it is. We all have a fun, maybe a little bit crazy best friend who's a Virgo. Shout out. Wow. I don't know if I'll ever get over that. I'm feel, I'm feeling very, very proud of that. All right. So now that we've talked about Liberty and how much I like her, now let's talk about Jake. Jake is another nope from me. I, I should say, I don't really like any of the guys on Love Island. Maybe more are coming in. I don't know. I guess I have 85 more episodes to watch, but I don't love any of the guys. I do not like Jake. He seems like just like a way, way, way less cool version of Taryn Edgerton. Not really my vibe. Hugo, not here for Hugo. Ankles kind of freak me out. They might snap at any moment. Faye is cool. I actually really like her. She just needs a little, a little assistance with the foundation and the spray tan. But you know what? Who hasn't been there? Who has not had a bad spray tan? We all have been there. Chloe, I don't really think about that much. Okay, Aaron and Sharon. Sharon seems like she's really mad that she's there. She does not seem to be having any fun. And Matt and I have a new phrase for this summer, like this, the summer that we're going to have no buzz kills allowed. No buzz kills are allowed. And I think that Sharon might be kind of a buzz kill. Aaron seems like he's kind of a good time and Sharon's just not having it overall. I think love Island is good, but I, I really don't know what I'm going to do with a season that's 49 episodes long. I just don't know if I'm going to get through that, but I will persevere because so many of you watch it and are demanding that I finish it, but I'm going to be honest. Listen, Meg had me read a book and it's probably going to take me the next two years to finish it. So I can't guarantee when I'm going to finish Love Island, but it was fun to research reality TV while in the middle of Love Island, because it is a perfect example of what our generation looks for in reality TV. And that is just super hot people being a little bit drunk with maybe some whipped cream on their bodies. That's really what we're into. So I will keep watching it. Thank you to everybody who listened. If you're here, I love you. Thank you for being here. Remember to subscribe, rate, review. Uh, what else? Follow me on Instagram, which is just at the bad broadcast. I never really, I never usually say that. But yeah, you can follow me there. I If there's a weekly question, it goes up on Tuesdays. There's not always a weekly question. Sometimes we do episodes like this. But if there is, that's where it will be. And remember to be safe, be kind, be hot, and know that I love you so much. I'll see you next week. Bye.
Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind the scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week.